Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. If we're gonna make it out of here, we gotta work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. This is why you watch 7 News at 5. This breaking story is happening as we speak. To get breaking news from the alert desk. When I know about it, you'll know about it first. So you're always connected with what's happening now, only on 7 News at 5. Everybody, welcome to the Wizard and the Bruiser. I'm the Wizard, Holden McNeely. And I'm the Bruiser, Jake Young. This episode, we're going to be talking about Star Wars A New Hope for 30 minutes. Are you ready with the timer, Marcus? Ready. Start the clock! All right, in order to understand Star Wars A New Hope, you really have to start with the life of George Lucas. He was born in 1944 <laughs> in Modesto, California, and he had a passion for cars and motor racing, which led to his first film, uh, not his first film, I'm sorry, a later film, uh, American Graffiti, Jake. American <laughs> Graffiti, people love that shit. People were like, finally, here's the guy, fuck, uh, I mean, he also did THX, who gives a shit? He did THX eleven thirty but that was not a very good success. It was a critical success, but American Graffiti was the movie that made him a bunch of money and was very popular with the public. And so, <laughs> according to Lucas, he had the idea for Star Wars all along. He was like always Mr. Star Wars. He was just he was just a big art Star Wars-shaped egg man who was, always, who was just going to sprout one day, but nobody liked the idea. Everyone was like, I don't know, it seems like a lot of gibbery goop. <laughs> but Jake, let's back it up for a second. He attended Modesto Junior College and then transferred to the University of South uh, Carolina, uh, California. He was roommates with Randall Kaiser, who, who directed Grease, and he was Buddies with Walter Murch, sound designer and film editor with such films as uh, The Godfather Films, The Conversation, Apocalypse Now, Hal Barwood, a game designer who would later go on to uh, create a lot of the games for LucasArts, including the Indiana Jones game that was very popular, and John Milius, writer of Apocalypse Now, Dirty Harry, and Conan the Barbarian. They were a clique of film students, and people called them the N-words without attitude. <laughs> I'm sorry, actually, that's wrong. It's uh, They called them the Dirty Dozen. No, everyone was fucking each other. Everyone was all mm-hmm. up in each other's business, like uh, Francis Ford Coppola was the guy that was like, hey, hey, George Lucas, you should, you should really pitch this Star Wars shit. Like, everyone was connected in this scene. And you have to understand... So Amer- so he did sell American Graffiti. He was pitching the Star Wars yes. and American Graffiti, and all the execs were like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about with your spaceships and jib-jabs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this uh, cool 1950s. Yes, they let him do the cool 1950s thing that was based on his love of cars back when he was a kid. Um, uh, also, he was actually due to make Apocalypse Now and ended up uh, not doing that. It was going to be a documentary <laughs> style film about uh, like tr- soldiers yeah. back in the war. Ended up g- uh, going to Coppola. Yeah, and well, he actually told Copeland to not do the movie. He was like, ah, I don't really see anything here that's uh, worth making a film about. Uh, there's a reason why I turned it down. The question was really good, Marcus. I'm going to need you to, like, de-neckify it by about 80%. <laughs> if you can just get less neck in there. Uh, well, the, the problem with Star Wars... I mean, there you when go! I, when I pitched it as Adventures of Luke Starkiller is taken from the Journal of the Wills Saga 1, the Star Wars, no one really was into it. If you can, I'm sorry, we had, this is not a video podcast, but Marcus's neck actually 
actually, his chin is touching his sternum. Down into his sternum. We have called the police. I don't know why we called the police, not an ambulance, but we've called him. I think I want him arrested. Fun side fact, Lucas was uh, uh, one of the camera ops for the classic Rolling Stones concert film, Gimme Shelter. Ooh. Yeah, right? Pretty fucking bonkers. Was he right there when the dude got stabbed? I bet. I bet he tried weed while it was happening. Um, okay, so uh, THX, critical but not a financial success. American Graffiti got him the money to give him the clout to make Star Wars. And then, of course, we move into the Star Wars trilogy. Now, I mean, what's this is the thing that kind of got me is that, like, even up to shooting, the like, the working title of his script, I mean, it's gone through a bunch of phases, but this is the one that gets me is uh, the fourth draft, the technically the final draft before they were, like, actually going to start rolling was called The Adventures of Luke Starkiller yes. as Taken from the Journal of Wills, Saga <laughs> 1, The Star Wars. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Do was- you know how much compromise and, like, good-natured friends have to be like, how about just... just- Star Wars. <laughs> and, and originally he was trying to get the rights to Flash Gordon because he was so, the whole Im, uh, influence on making Star Wars, he wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie and he couldn't get the rights. And so, uh, of course, uh, for some reason, Coppola was with him that day. And um, Coppola said, uh, Lucas, uh, for, he said uh, George was very depressed because he had just come back and they wouldn't sell him Flash Gordon. And he says, well, I'll just invent my own. I, okay, can we just talk about, like, for real, real talk, have you, you've pitched things, we've all been in meetings, we've all, like, tried to convince someone, like, that our idea is good. How, how, pitching Star Wars <laughs> without having Star Wars as a reference is fucking bonkers. I mean, it's... It is ludicrous. You know, they had what? They had 2001 A Space Odyssey, and they were trying to say, no, 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 this is not 2001 A Space Odyssey, this is, you know, this is, um, uh, what, you know, so- swords in space, you now, know? Are you familiar with Gulliver on Mars? Yes, I'm so happy you brought that up. Gulliver on Mars, uh, originally entitled Lieutenant Gulliver Jones, His Vacation, later retitled Gulliver on Mars. That was the first published in 1905. It was Lucas's first, um, he, he said he couldn't find anything earlier than that that was sort of the influence on Flash Gordon, so apparently Gulliver on Mars was really the very first piece that was sort of like in the Star Wars line of people right. battling monsters in space about a military guy that kind of bumbled his way through space. It's, uh, I mean, that was part of a large genre that, uh, you know, everything from Alan Quartermain to uh, John Carter on Mars, all these things is basically, don't worry, even in this situation, a white guy can still shoot everybody. Yes, absolutely. And that, of course, led to Flash Gordon, which um, was a comic book that came out in 1934 by Alex Raymond, but turned into a... Itself a knockoff of Buck Rogers. Yeah. It's it's just a fucking inverse wheel of people being like, man, be really cool if a blonde guy shot something in space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And man, boy, boy, did George, a young George, necklace George Lucas (laughs) in the theater just like, I, 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 uh, first of all, I learned how to masturbate yesterday. I'm very excited about that. I know it doesn't sound like I'm excited about that, but I'm incredibly intense. I know it doesn't sound like I'm excited about anything when I talk about being excited about something, but I'm very excited about learning how to masturbate, and I'm also very excited about this Flash Gordon movie that I'm currently watching. <laughs> Down in front, George! We're trying to enjoy the movie! How does that man know my name? I don't know. I've never met that man before. George, I'm, I'm friends with your father. Oh, okay. Well, that explains that. Well, I, that's, that's the thing is that was missing from sci-fi. Like, everyone was so enamored with, like, kind of the clean line space race, like, uh, you know, future of tomorrow, we're all going to live on the moon stuff, that, like, they don't really realize that, like, space fantasy before that was all just like, look out, it's Vlardo of the Bing Bong Galaxy. Yes. I've been saying Bing Bong a lot. i got to find more gibberish (laughs) phrases. That's that's actually a talent George Lucas has, is coming 
up with great nonsense he is words. He's really good with <laughs> nonsense words. And I think he got it from Flash Gordon. He was a, you know, Flash Gordon, he goes to Mars. Um, he goes to the planet Mongo <laughs> in Flash Gordon, and he encounters the evil Emperor Ming the Merciless, which I think is a bit of an anti-Asian thing. Um yeah. No, and it's it's a planet with an African name with a Chinese ruler. Like it's all <laughs> <Yeah>. exotic nonsense. <laughs> and his daughter Princess Aura uh, tries to help Flash. There's also King Kayla, ruler of the Sharkmen. Um, <laughs> that he's on Ming's side, and Prince Thune, leader of the Lion Men, on Flash's side. And let us never forget King Volton, leader of the Hawkmen, <laughs> comes in around episode six or seven. I right, believe. So he's going up to like old Hollywood guys, like fucking cigar in the mouth, like. Ah, Buster Keaton, that was a son of a bitch. Like, those guys. And he's pitching, like, basically a return to this level of swashbuckling insanity. Something that's arguably in the movie uh, that was in the Flash Gordon. Uh, Flash Gordon fights a giant octo sack in a chamber filling with water, which I think would be kind of like when they fight in the junk room. Mm-hmm. You know, or there's also a vicious orangopoid, <laughs> which has, I think, just a big monkey. Mm. Well, if you remember the orangopoid, I have something somewhat similar. It's called a chew. Chewbacca. <laughs> exactly. Totally Chewbacca. Now, why don't we just play this out right now? I'll be a studio exec. You be George Lucas and try to pitch me Star Wars. <laughs> All right. So I don't really have like a plot. Oh, so wait. Hold on. Okay. Uh, hold on. Let me denecify. Mr. Denecify. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lucas. A little more neck. I'm sorry. Mr. Mr. Lucas, I'm so, uh, I've, I'm, it's nice to meet you. Now you say you have a, a bit of a, a kind of a space movie. All right, my, my follow-up for American Graffiti, it's, uh, I, I don't have a plot yet. Which we loved American Graffiti. Very down to earth, mm-hmm. cars, kids. Yep. Everybody remembers the 50s. So Luke Starkiller is the son of Anakin Starkiller. Can I stop you right there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> he is a killer of stars. I'm not really quite sure. This well, is... his father was a famous Mendu Bindi commando warrior that mastered uh, various various uh, space fighters. Uh, there is the Sith. There is the evil counterpart. One of the dark Mendu Biths uh, entered that. Susan, now, can Chewbacca... we get some vodka in here? <laughs> Chewbacca is a dog man. Okay, Chewbacca is a dog man. I see. So what does the dog man do in the multi-million dollar film project that you came in here to produce? I'm sorry, I'm getting angry, Mr. Lucas. If I could just get 10 million of your dollars. 10 million? I'll tell you what. your 1970s dollars. I'll give you 8 million and then you'll go over budget for two more. How about that? I get the merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Have you guys ever seen what Chewbacca originally looked like? Uh, I, a long no. time ago, remind us. It's like a bat owl of sorts. Yeah, cool. Dude, my favorite thing, and I know this doesn't happen until Empire Strikes Back, but I have to bring it up in this one podcast, and I'm sure we'll talk about it when we come back to Empire Strikes Back in a later podcast, but Yoda was originally supposed to be played by a monkey wearing a mask. <laughs> There's a picture, Marcus. You should definitely look it up. It was originally a monkey in a mask, and they taught the monkey to hold the cane. Now, a chimp or a, or like a little cappuccino? I think a little tiny cap, maybe a cappuccino. What would you, what would you call it? That's you- definitely a, no. That's a spider monkey. A spider oh my monkey. god! No. <laughs> Oh, no. There was. So it was originally before they went to Frank Oz and was like, maybe this should be a puppet. Um, it was a monkey. <laughs> so what were they going to do? I guess, we'll get it. I guess you'll get into it on that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that in a later episode when we cover Empire Strikes Back. It's my favorite fact about the movies. Though. So basically, he gets this made on like just pure... Just the fact that I guess American Graffiti worked and whatever. Like, okay, nobody believes in this project. The fact is, is that like it's... An amazing cultural icon. 
it is I, I think about it more and more as we as we got into this this episode. This movie is fucking amazing and does so much shit that like I knew about the force and I understood the force decades before I had any idea about like Zen Buddhism or Eastern yeah. mysticism mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. chakra and like what other movie like introduces a religion in the middle as like a key plot point? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it was it's sort of like and what's more baffling to me is learning about the filming process and learning that you know like the cast and crew all no everyone thought it was going to bomb. Everybody thought it was going to be terrible. He had an early showing of the film for all of his director buddies, and Spielberg apparently was the only director that actually thought the movie was okay. And that was before it had the special effects or anything in it. Harrison Ford himself found it strange he said he found it strange that there's a princess with weird buns in her hair and he called Chewbacca a giant monkey a giant in a monkey suit <laughs> and that's just him you know I mean iconically playing this character and he's looking around just being like this whole thing's a fucking disaster oh fucking Harrison Ford fucking swagger carpenter man movie star just like in a fucking gray hallway shooting space Nazis for pretend yeah he was a 34 year old carpenter what was it what kind of what did he have to judge about I know Right, but he was judging this movie. Everybody was judging this movie. I mean, the whole. I mean, it, it was mired with problems from day one. They 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 shot all the desert scenes in Tunisia, um, and, and there was this crazy rainstorm. They had all this electrical problems. It was it was weeks behind. Obviously, went two million dollars over budget. I mean, I don't know if any of our listeners are familiar with traditional film cameras. They love sand. Yeah, <laughs> sandy sandy places are the best places. All to those be. moving parts are just like yum yum yum. Give me sand. <laughs> Fuck. What's the name of the documentary about um, uh, Terry Gilliam making um, something, something La Mancha, yeah, like, yeah. Lost, La Mancha. Lost in La Mancha. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a wonderful film about a man uh, ter- having terrible problems trying to film a, a feature in a desert. It's wonderful. But uh, so another thing that this movie is well known for is all the special effects work. Yes, which at the time they had to invent methods up and down, left and right. Uh, all the behind the scenes stuff, especially from those early movies are physical things that they had to just make and like figure out how to shoot like the initial uh, title crawl. I love those photos too of of that of of yeah. the hand built sets. You were saying about the title crawl? The title crawl is literally a long like sheer chunk of text that they had to physically drag across a black uh, a black uh, back a matte background mm-hmm. and so like when it's going off to the distance that's the actual camera angle. There are physical letters being pulled. It's and so that's good. insanity. It's so amazing. And, and uh, you know, this was all kind of a, a big shot in the dark for them, too, because 20th Century Fox didn't have a visual effects department. It had been disbanded. So in 1975, Lucas formed his own visual effects company, Industrial Light and Magic, and um, they were really just kind of throwing shit out there. In fact, uh, there was there were major issues because I think they, they spent like half their budget on three different specialist effects shots that Lucas was unhappy with and had thrown out. And, and they were also behind schedule because apparently they were very undisciplined because it was like a ragtag team of misfits and Lucas had to like step in and like put him in the corner and hey, stuff. Hey guys, listen the Death Star's looking great. I really appreciate it. Could you stop smoking Angel Dust? I'm sorry bro, <laughs> but I just fucking got some real good green from the oh, you want lights to come out of fucking butt or <laughs> mouth? I'm sorry, it's, man. I'm, in, in, dra- in the third draft yes, there was lasers coming out of a butt, but we got rid of that scene. I'm, fucking kisses in town, bro. <laughs> 
Rolling them, I can see them rocking and rolling all night and every day. I swear to God, if you're one of the weirdos that actually started Pixar, I'm going to be so pissed off. <laughs> I am one of those weirdos. I fucking wrote Wally last night while I was banging four girls. They were all fucking big hairy bushes. Because right. they had hairier bushes back then because it was the 70s. <laughs> so that was more in vogue. I would have said they were cleanly shaved if it was like the 90s, yeah. you know? And I think now a little bit of hair is more the way to go um, in our current day. But so the movie came out. It was a huge success. Everyone like just pretty much it's, it was a cultural fucking phenomenon. Imagine Pokemon Go if it actually mattered. It like, was gigantic. What's great, too, though, again, it's talking about the small rise and then that no one expected the blowout. That's uh, you love. You got to love stories like those. It debuted on Wednesday, May 25th, 1977 in fewer than 32 theaters. And then they added eight more on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> That's fucking bonkers. They said, you know, Kurtz, the producer, said um, uh, that would be laughable today. It immediately broke box office records, effectively becoming one of the first blockbuster films. uh, And Fox accelerated plans to broaden its release. The film saved 20th Century Fox. That was um, uh, they 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 were kind of going down under. Within three weeks of the film's release, the studio's stock price had doubled to a record high. Prior to 1977, 20th Century Fox's greatest annual profits were 37 million. While in 1977, the company broke that record, posting a profit of 79 million. So everybody did coke that <laughs> night. Um, yeah, it's like kind of nuts, you know, to see this thing. I mean, and what's great is again going back to the shooting. They said the cast. And crew were constantly trying to like make jokes for George Lucas to cheer him up because he was horribly depressed the whole time. I mean, I think the How whole time they tell him, right? <laughs> him and everyone else were convinced that this was going to be the greatest disaster of all time, and then it ended up just being this incredible, you know, film. They had to fire the editor. By the way, the original editor, he has a f- silly name, too, so I want to say it. It's like Jim Jim Jimpies or something like that. It's like some guy with a classically like, oh, yeah, of course, that's like a terrible name. Shit, I don't know if I can find it. But they had to h- fire him and get like two new editors and his uh, wife. Uh, who was editing New York, New York at the time, stepped in and helped to edit New York, New York, of course, being a classic Scorsese film. Yeah, pretty, pretty fucking They nuts. were all fucking each other, yeah. I'm telling you. But, well, a lot of people mm-hmm. say that, like, George, the reason why the original Star Wars was better than the prequels is because George Lucas had a lot of people telling him no. Mm-hmm. And he yes. had a lot of he had a lot of people telling him no. And a lot of people uh, like, for example, like his wife was yeah. like some a lot of people say that's one of the reasons why Star Wars was so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Various, uh, you know, all the all the human moments, all those like, you know, uh, like uh, uh, I think it's Princess Leia giving Luke the little kiss for good luck before he swings across the little chasm. Like all those cute little human moments were like definitely from outside of Lucas. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the individual performances were on point. Uh, the special effect shots were amazing. You know they had to invent all these advanced rigs to show like a spaceship flying in three dimensional space with the camera and the models moving in different directions that hadn't been done before. All these things just made it work and. So I want to ask you, 
Holden, what is your favorite parts about Star Wars? Whether that's a performance, like an emotion, a scene, like what? What? Honestly, made- I was, I was and, and even though I, this was literally the point, a point I was about to bring up that actually was something that Lucas talked about. That I think I finally got a, got a handle on it. Why I like the film that recently came out, JJ uh, the JJ Abrams made, um, uh, Dippy Goes to Washington or whatever <laughs> it's called. Um, and the reason why the I was, Dippy Awakens, the, what what made it a return to form to the original trilogy. And it's so funny because it says here that Lucas was the one who said this about what he his vision for the original Star Wars trilogy that he completely abandoned later in the prequels. He said he described it as a used future. The concept uh, uh, to the, that's what he said to the production designers in which all devices, ships and buildings looked aged and dirty. That, that was required for true credibility. He wanted to embrace the combination of strange graphics of fantasy and the feel of a documentary to impress a distinct look. That's what I like the most about Star Wars is it feels like a real place even though it's the future. Yeah, no, uh, you ever go to like uh, in Star Trek, they always go to like the space bar and it's always so like clean and like carpeted. Like what kind yes. of fucking Bar is carpeted. Yeah, I think what 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 makes it work so well, and the reason why Han Solo is such an enduring character as well, is that these you're like meets because he's so like a guy you feel like you know from your back in your hometown. He's like a real human dude in the future. He's not like some like we have to turn the glee glocks on the blee blops. And then you know, mixed, he's like, hey, I'm Han Solo. Guess what? I have a penis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> mixed with mixed with like dirty spaceships and and a look that feels. Feels just very like the real world. I think that's what worked so well for me, um, and what they completely abandoned in, in the original trilogy, which is also hilarious too. I was reading about this about the writing of it. A lot of the things that he threw out in early drafts were later used yeah. for the prequels. So it was all the prequels are just a wall to wall. All the bullshit. There was an old Jedi master called Mace Windy. <laughs> yeah, it was like all the silly ass stuff that you look at in early drafts and are like, that's fucking dumb as shit. That was really smart to throw away. He later re just shoveled all that into the into the prequels. Makes so much sense. Uh, was the Jew bug in the original uh, prequels? I'm pretty he was sure a, he was a Semitic Arab Jewish hybrid. Just all <laughs> all the gross. Ty- the, Mesopotamian cultures combined. <laughs> what about you, Jake? What is your favorite thing about about let's about A New Hope? Uh, I think it's the fact that it is such a disparate combination of all this cool shit that otherwise would have just been left by the wayside. Like everything from John Williams' score is operatic. It is like full on Wagnerian motifs and like bombast. Where previously, like sci-fi was, you know, a theremin. Just going like, mm-hmm. instead, this is sci-fi that had like themes and like counter themes and all these things just going like, you know, uh, everything from the, uh, the, the main theme to Darth Vader's theme, everything had like this emotional punch to it. Uh, the fact that it had sword, like they found a way to have sword fights, which are just, it's just more emotional. It's a bigger conflict. It's a person versus a person. It's a conflict of will and determination versus just like straight up like a battle scene. Oh uh, God! I love that Han Solo. By to, to quickly interject, Han Solo used to be was like originally like a green alien with gills. Yeah, and he changed it to a human to make it more relatable. Yeah. Um. Oh, and just the fucking hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Like Star Wars is just you know that Joseph Campbell fucking step by step guide. The monomyth is just down to a T, and it's just 
Like it, if you're if you're eight years old, it just resonates so hard. Done simply and well, and just right there for you. It's so accessible, and yet it's still in crazy. You know, uh, you know. Like recently, I went back, and I'm sure we'll eventually cover this topic. But I went back. I re- read Dune recently, and you know that is just so such a crazy. You know, political, complicated. It's what you think of when you think of sci-fi, whereas opposed to Star Wars, where it was just like, oh, this is like insanely accessible. This is like just you can walk right into this movie. Movie and just live in it and be there and you don't have to like read any appendices mm-hmm. before you do so uh oh and of course darth vader's fucking radical yeah. darth vader rules man no the whole it's just fun that's all it is like mm-hmm. that i think like that's what it comes down to uh and that's why the prequels didn't work because they're not any fun right uh, uh, did you see the scene when jar jar binks is like trying to juggle those like bowling ball things on top of a tank and he's like Oh, that's come on. That's pretty fun, Marcus. That's, yeah. What's that, your favorite Jar Jar Binks moment? <laughs> we'll do that. Well, you know what? We'll do a full episode of Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Anytime you see through the planet, blah 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 blah, blah. going. <laughs> no, anytime he says Misa, yeah, Misa uh, so sad. Anytime he says it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime he says it, yeah. <laughs> No, it's just Star Wars is just like fun from beginning to end. That's it. It's yeah. just always fun. Even you, when it's like dangerous, it's still fun. You can but, always throw it in. You can always, you know, d- during while you're eating, during sex, you can have it on. You can when you're, um, you know, at, right after sex. I don't shoot till Greedo does, baby. You know the rules. <laughs> Post coitus, you're just covered in sweat, you know, smoking, chain smoking cigarettes, you know, talking about like, oh, that got weird, you know. It's <laughs> just great to have Star Wars out of the background. It's broken up into like very distinct scenes that like uh, that serialized influence because like there's all these set pieces, there are all these individual problems they have to solve along the way. Whereas like I remember. Uh, like Zack Snyder in uh in Justice or Dawn of Justice, he has all these like cool moment, like cool like images, but like there's no actual scenes in the movie. While Star Wars is you know uh, everything from the trash compactor to uh, the cantina to to you know infiltrating. Uh, in the costume, in, every you know, second the, yeah. is iconic. Yeah, every second you can kind of put your finger on and kind of uh, flick it until it goes. Yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> my head's in the gutter now. I talked yeah, mentioned wow. sex, and uh, I can't stop thinking. Where about are it. we on time? No, this will bring you back. Five minutes, twenty five seconds left. This will bring you back. Well, I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Oh. Power converters. <laughs> uh, my buddy, my uh, shout out to Ben Epps. He always talked about that one line as being the most annoying line. <laughs> That Star Wars is perfect except for that one line because it's just so obnoxious and he keeps saying it over and over to me. So I'm glad that that tra- tra- that wasn't just me and Ben Apps. Oh no, that always stuck out in my mind Morgan too. Murder. <laughs> but that's the thing. He's he's a child. Yeah, he- you'll waste time with your friends when you're done with your toys. Oh, I hope you get burned to death, old man. <laughs> I'm not gonna feel nothing. I'm gonna look at your charred corpse and I'm just gonna walk away. That is one thing that I always wonders. That everyone else when they get hit. By blasters, they just die. But for some reason, Aunt Baru and Uncle Owen combusted like a motherfucker. I mean, I imagine that like they, tur- you know, like a RoboCop, where all the gangsters like gather around and repeatedly shoot. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's how they went down. But that's a fan theory. Uh, Anybody who's been screaming the name of the original editor that had to be fired, by the way, I just found the name. It's John Jimson. <laughs> that is just the most fireable name. Jimson! Like, Jimson! You yeah. are fired. Apparently, he just made such a 
terrible by the numbers edit originally of the film and it was just incredibly like by the book and terrible and I think 30 to 40 percent of his edit was not uh, used like sh- the 30 to 40 percent of the shots in his original edit were you, not used you know the, the phenomena of the phantom edit that people did in the prequels where they actually like went back and tried to make it more watchable uh-huh. I want the Jimson cut yeah I, I want to see Jimson this cut. iconic movie just ruined through sheer editing love to see this Jimson cut That'd be so great. Anybody out there who has the Jimson cut, <laughs> Jimson, if you're out there, I'm going to find you. I'm going to tie you down. I'm going to just ask you what your greatest fears are. If it's spiders, I'm going to throw spiders on you. If it's scorpions, I'm going to throw scorpions on you. If it's just like, I hate you know, to be just like, scorpions are like, fuck, I only brought spiders. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to be spider side. I love spiders. God damn it, Jimson. Just give me the cut. Where's the cut? I know you have the fucking cut. You know what I'm saying? And he's just like, the cut, the cut. What are you talking about? You know, I'm just like Jimson. <laughs> so one of these days we'll get it, I think, or or George Lucas has it in one of his. I bet he has like a bunch of vaults with weird stuff in it. Oh, I, I bet he. No, he hates. He hates the past. He always tries to change it. I bet he burns every cut, every That's single true. cell, just destroys it all. Well, um, uh, f- fuck. What else do we have here? I mean, it it earned. A million five hundred fifty-four thousand four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, and uh, that didn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> four million five billion six hundred forty. As the Guinness Book of World Records for the third uh, highest-grossing film when adjusted for inflation in the North American box office, people, what are you going to do about that? Number one, Titanic, I Avatar, think- right? Is it Avatar? Because the 3D ticket prices is a really expensive ticket. Oh, really? big expensive ticket, and everybody had to go see it. I still have not seen Avatar. You're yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? That's what everybody says. So I'm like, why would I see it? You know? There's like that one guy out there who's just like, I got the Avatar. It's canon. It's canon. <laughs> canon to what, dude? Seriously. Go fuck. If you are out there and you're saying to yourself right now, uh, you're threatening a lot of people this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad, and I don't know how to control it. You're just horny and full of spiders, I'm just so, ready to go. I, go, I, I boomerang from horny to angry. I think you just so got- harshly right now. I don't know what is going on. I am mad right now, and I'm going to be horny in two seconds, Marcus. Yeah, I think he just named your biography horny and full of spiders. Horny and full of spiders. <laughs> there you go, coming from me. It's mostly going to be about Star Wars: A New Hope, which is going to be very oh. disappointing. Oh, for last thing, uh, fucking if you're a Star Wars fan and you're a pretentious asshole watch Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress yeah. like that was always like pointed out as like a big influence and in structure and in tone uh, it's amazing the one to one matches you'll find there yep. and that's again just a weird disparate influence that he brought into this miasma of ideas that like came out great yeah, it was particularly telling the story from the lowliest characters mm-hmm. in the film, which was in uh, Hidden Fortress, it was the peasants, mm-hmm. and in Star Wars, it's C-3PO and R2-D2. There's like- oh, R2-D2 also was an obscenity-yelling, uh, talking robot originally, and then they changed it to bleeps and bloops. <laughs> like obscenity, like, yeah. fuck! Yeah, it was like, you fucking humans with all your fucking dicks well, I and mean, your pussies. And like, George was like, whatever, however we do this, it has to be a little person in a trash can. Yeah, it has to be a little person in the trash can. I will not do this. He would scream crazy. This is the thing. He would just scream crazy stuff. I think he had a laudanum addiction, and they would put it in the movie. But he was just screaming about his hallucinations. So that's another fun fact for you to take home and tell your mother about. I want an old gay British samurai in this thing. (laughs) Do it in the prequels. What prequels? I don't know. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It cha- it'll change your life, and it also means nothing. Mm. So there you go. I think that's the two things you can say about Star Wars. Five, oh. four, three. We're done. Two, one. Star Wars. <laughs> this has been all right. All right. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to hear the whole chime. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. This has been the Bruiser and the Wizard. I'm the Blizzard, Holden McNeely, coming through to cool down your nips, you crazy little, little people out there. And I'm the Wheel Czar, just offering you a nice piece of refreshment once Holden's done with his spired, spiders and yelling. <laughs> That's the sound the spiders make when they're coming to your town. And we will be on our book tour next week um, as soon as we finish our book. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.